Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live.
please search and use hashtag T2Q to read and respond to all show tweets. If you want to learn more about me, the show, or the show legends, then journey on over to TalkToQ.com. And if you can't listen to the entire show live, then you can find T2Q on iTunes and just pick up where you left off. Maintenance complete. All right. T2Q radio show number 553. We'll start right after this message from $1cookie.com. Now, $1cookie.com is a new app. Uh, well, $1 cookie, rather, is a new app made for crowdfunding purpose. Okay? Help with a dollar and get cookies in return. Visit $1cookie.com to find out more. My thanks for them being a sponsor on tonight's Talk to Q radio show. Now, tonight we're talking how to protect yourself before, during, and, actual, and after natural disasters or weather events. Now, it's like one of those things where you have to ask yourself, you know, if you have a plan when it comes to a natural natural disaster. You know, you watch the news and you see that there's a storm approaching your area in a few hours. Now, the meteorologists are saying that the storm could possibly spawn tornadoes or something like that throughout the evening and that everyone should take cover. So what's the first thing that you do? Now, for a lot of us, it's change the channel and find something else to watch. However, we should take weather events a lot more seriously than we do. Every morning, I turn, tune into my favorite meteorologist, a young lady by the name of Brittany Bell, and I watch her to try to find out how I should approach each day. All right? And knowing what's going on during a weather event can not only help you protect your property, it can also help you protect your family. So tonight we'll discuss, you know, like how important is it to trust your meteorologist? Um, what about natural disasters that occur with little to no warning? How credible are fundraisers for disaster relief? Um, what can you do to avoid scams and getting repairs done from the storm damage? Uh, we'll get into that, and afterwards we'll also discuss uh, something that's been going on in my hometown with some controversy between a city councilman and the sheriff of many counties uh, that he's angered with some of his um uh, I guess, really opinionated comments that he's made to the news. But we'll get to that. First, um, let me go to the phone lines, to the 850 area code, the Emerald Coastline of Pensacola, Florida, to welcome on the man in black, the homie Buck. What's going on, man? What up, what up? How's everybody doing this evening? Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year to you as well, man. And I'm just up here trying to stay warm, bro. We chilly down here in the big panhandle of Pensacola. It's supposed to go down to 35. We'll have a little bit of frost tonight. Finally getting some cold weather. And, you know, speaking of weather, this is something that we all need to talk about because I, I have firsthand experience with the weather. No doubt, man. No doubt. So, all right, 347-202-0215 is the number. Let's get started. But before we get started, let me ask you back up for a second. And, uh, you know, since Buck mentioned the new year, I guess I'll mention this at the beginning of the show and maybe at the end as well. There's going to be a change in format for the Talk to Q radio show. Um, you're used to getting relationship topics, current event topics, uh, politics, all of that stuff 
every Tuesday and Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern with a little zone coverage on the back end of the shows. 2016, we're going to flip the script a little bit. Going forward, um, on Tuesdays, you're still going to get the relationship talk, current events, politics, celebrities, sex, all of that stuff, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern with no zone coverage on the back end. However, on Wednesday, Wednesday at 10 p.m., it's going to be all sports, all zone coverage. So that's how it's going to happen. Rather than have zone coverage on the back end of both shows, it's going to be one show with different topics on Tuesdays, sports topics only on Wednesdays, zone coverage. Every blue moon on a Thursday, you might hear a podcast with some commentary from me or maybe a Q on one interview with somebody that I have a chance to sit down with and have a conversation and discuss something that they have to offer um, to my listeners or maybe something they've done, like a book or some type of achievement. So that's pretty much how the show is going to roll um, until further notice. So you still get both shows. On Tuesdays and Wednesdays, it's just going to be a different focus on each night. So when all else fails, go to TalkToQ.com, bring up the calendar, and you can take a look to see what's coming up so you can participate. All right, wanted to get that out the way. Buck, natural disasters, man. Uh, What natural disaster or weather event, whichever one, instills the most fear in you and why? I mean, now think about it. When you talk about national disaster, natural disaster, we're talking about wildfires, earthquakes, volcano eruptions, you know, tsunamis. All of that can be a natural disaster, so to speak. And the weather events may be triggered by something, you know, like a tornado, hurricane, something of that nature. But they're all disasters, so to speak. Yeah. Which one uh, well, gives you the most concern? Well, the most concern, naturally, for me being in the panhandle of Florida would be hurricanes because I was down here for Hurricane Ivan which is equivalent to what everybody used to do, what everybody still talks about in Mississippi when I grew up was Hurricane Camille. Well, I, Hurricane Ivan was Pensacola's Camille, if you want to put it that way in some terms where people can understand. This town was destroyed during Hurricane Ivan. So Hurricane would definitely be, you know, the thing that would fear me most. Now, if I lived out west, it would be fires but, or, or earthquakes, but here – being on the East Coast is definitely uh, hurricanes, man. Because um, you know, I, I, I don't want to take too much too much time, but the thing was is that the day that we prepared, and we'll talk about preparedness in a minute. But that particular day, my mom called me and told me you need to get in the car and come up here. And during the daytime, the sun was out, the wind was blowing, but the hurricane was headed towards New Orleans. As soon as the sun set. It, it hit that northeast hook and came right back to us and hit us dead, hit us damn near square on. And it was it was definitely something that I would never forget. Uh, wind gauges broke here at 141 miles an hour, and it was supposed to be Category 3. But if it's 141, that's Category 4, close to 5. So, yeah, I think it's 4 off from a Category 5 or 10 off from Category 5, something like that. It was one of the scariest things to live through in my 44, soon to be 45 years. So it was pretty, it was definitely something devastating, and I wouldn't do it again. (laughs) I understand, man. Um, It's like situations with hurricanes, though, you know, you do get a warning. But like you said, sometimes you think it's going one way, and it kind of flips the script on you. And you really don't know where these things are going to go or what they're going to do. 
So it's very important to take, pay attention to your meteor, meteorologist. I mean, now for me, um, I think tornadoes instill the most fear in me because, man, they're so devastating. They're very devastating. And it's not uncommon to hear about a tornado that can travel 100 miles and stay on the ground for a couple of hours. And that's an amazing amount of devastation when you think about it. Uh, and they can pretty much appear anywhere. You know, it doesn't take long for them to show, and they can pretty much just pop up and be gone without any any type of warning, or any type of real warning. So um, I think they kind the of bother about, me the most. The thing about hurricanes is a hurricane can spin up water spouts with a waterborne tornado. They also can um, spring up regular tornadoes as well. So when you have a hurricane, you have a you have storms within storms, if that makes sense. So when you have a hurricane, you may have a warning for it, but around my house, my old house where I used to live on the southwest side of Pensacola, a guy was actually outside filming in front of my house, and there were three tornadoes that went around my house. They never touched down. One went in my backyard, one came into the yard, hit my tree in the front yard, knocked it over, and went back out in the street. And the other one just came down and it came down, and almost hit the ground and went straight back up in the air. So in our neighborhood alone, there were six. There were 18 reporters in Pensacola the night Ivan hit. And they didn't hit until 5 o'clock in the morning. And the storm started coming through here. It was basically here by 11 o'clock. So to give you an idea of how bad that was and with the wind being as high as it was, it was, it was catastrophic for this area because Pensacola's not that big. So um, town was shut down for a few days. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And so, like, how important to you? Like I said, you have to, you, you know, the meteorologist would tell you what they think is going to happen. And some sensationalize everything and make it, like, a really big deal because they want you to watch, of course. But, you know, the information is important. So, I mean, how important to you is a meteorologist you can trust when it comes to weather events? Well, I'll just put it to you like this, you know, living through the event and being prepared which we'll talk about in a little bit. But the thing is, is that you have to take, you have to be aware of your, you know, be aware of your surroundings. Um, and you have to listen to the weather carefully because you know how the media is kind of set up to kind of get you to get out there and spend a lot of money. Um, if you listen, Jim, people down here hate Jim Cantore because if you see him down here, then you know one coming or at least a tropical storm. Right. So, so the thing is, when Jim Cantore hits Pensacola, these fools flood these stores, and they're taking all the water, they're taking all the bread, they're taking all the, you know, all the canned goods and those kind of things. And you know, you got to, you really have to pay attention. If this going, you know, and I'm gonna get into some things tonight in this in this weather topic that a lot of people just don't understand. But if after they listen to this show, they have some common awareness especially people that live in the, in the Gulf Coast states. And you pay attention to water temperature, you pay attention to the jet stream, those types of things, you'll know how strong that storm is and you'll know what kind of preparedness you need to have. Okay, yeah, a lot of people aren't going aren't to necessarily focus on that, but it is important for sure. Um, but, all right, so on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being very serious, uh 
how seriously do you think that people take warnings on the news, on the news when they see them? Like hurricane well, warnings, tornado warnings. Tornado warnings they probably take more seriously than hurricane warnings because when I first came to Pensacola, um, I was scared for three tropical storms and Hurricane George. Hurricane George was a rain event. We ain't got the 110 miles an hour. People were actually in their garages or out on their front front porches drinking beer. I, I shit you not. I was outside. I can change the brakes on my car during Hurricane George in my garage. It, it really wasn't that bad. So time, if you hadn't had a storm hit your area in a while, you don't take the warnings as seriously as you did if you had some consecutively. We hadn't had a major hurricane come through here since 2004. So when you have a hurricane, you know, have a tropical storm, people just, I mean, people don't take it too seriously. But when you get a tornado warning or tornado watch, they take those seriously every time. I mean, simply because the radars and things that you have, you know, 3D Doppler and those kind of things are so good now that they can pretty much, if they spot one, you know, in the clouds or whatever, they're on top of it. So, you know, with the advancement as far as that, tornadoes are not as hard to to pinpoint as they used to be. They're still unpredictable, but at least you hear warning and they say it's coming through at about six fifty you know, six fifty five or something like that. You know to get into an interior, you know, closet or bathroom with no windows or something like that and prepare. For a hurricane, it's kinda of, it's a, it gives you a false sense of security because the one minute they can say it's, it's coming through there, and then it'll slow down in strength. And then sometimes it gains strength coming in. So you have to kind of – hurricanes are kind of tricky. And I, I just think that when it comes down to it, most people don't buy into the hype. Uh, well, I take it back. Your, your older people are going to buy into it. The younger people maybe not so much because the younger people are – you know, they maybe haven't seen, they don't have the experience that some older people have. Or maybe they don't have the concerns because, you know, when you're young, you're, you feel like you're invincible, so you don't necessarily think about this stuff. But I think on a scale of 1 to 10, the average person maybe is a 7. And I guess it depends on the region you're talking about, too, and what type of storm. If it's a tornado, probably an 8. If it's a hurricane, probably a 6. You know, it kind of falls in between. But it's something that's very important that people need to pay attention to. And you do need to have, like, a certain uh, weather station that you follow regularly. And I think that it's important because you kind of get a feel for the meteorologist to know just how accurate the person is. And once you get a feel for that person's accuracy, you can kind of gauge, you know, about how much you should trust them when it comes to taking some serious preparations for storms. And it depends on where you live. Like where Buck lives, serious preparations may mean boarding up the windows of his house. Now, where I live, which is like 300 miles off the Gulf Coast, I don't have to worry about boarding up my windows in most situations because I'm not close enough to the coastline for a hurricane to truly affect me. Uh, It would have to affect me in other ways, you know, unless it's something of the magnitude of Katrina, which I still received 100-mile-per-hour winds where I live. But unless it's something of that magnitude, a hurricane is not going to affect me other than maybe some bad storms, uh, spawning tornadoes and things of that nature. So people have to take um, preparations in a different way. And 
But but another thing I want to mention because this is something that we had some bad weather within the last few weeks across the country, and a lot of people were filming, you know, tornadoes as they were on the ground and moving around and stuff. How do you feel about that, man? I mean, would you even feel comfortable filming a tornado even from a distance? Not for uh, yeah, it's not for everybody, but. A lot of times, and I think we, you know, with the invention of these damn cell phones and the cameras being as good as they are and filming and things of that nature, I think that we're getting a little bit too many um, people out there trying to be weather people. Now, I can understand if you're a storm chaser or something like that and this part of your job or something like that or you're working for NOAA Weather Radio or something like that where your job is to spot storms to help warn the you know, warn people and things of that nature. That's cool. But I think um, and now times, if that's not your place, don't get out there and do it because it could, you could end up getting killed or getting, you know, somebody else killed along with you while you're doing it. So I'm just not one to – I'm a part of a weather, um, weather, weather society, and I give um, – input on a weather society, um, input on how, you know, safety if you're a storm chaser, storm chaser or something like that, or things that might help predict weather better um, in your particular area. And it's, it's actually kind of gotten me a whole lot smarter on the weather as well, as, you know, being a part of that group. It's, uh, you know, you have to really don't go out. I don't advise anybody that if you're an amateur and you're out there trying to do this, I mean, the storm, the winds from a tornado can snap tree limbs and they can fall. You know, the tornado uh-huh. never had to get near you. The winds can snap those trees like toothpicks and drop a limb right on top of you, whether you're standing outside or whether you're inside your car. It's just not smart. So if you don't have the expertise or the knowledge to be out there filming it, I don't suggest you doing it. I don't suggest it at all, man. It's like... Uh... It's cool to see those videos, but by the same token, you know, it can make you kind of nervous because what a lot of people don't consider is that, you know, those storms are capable of throwing things great distances. So while you think you're somewhere safe because you're two or three football fields away, you'd be surprised at what can come flying your way and end up killing you. So uh, I think a lot of people need to consider that, that those storms don't, you know, they don't just affect the general area where they are, they can affect you from a great distance. And a lot of folks need to recognize that. 347-202-0215 is the number on the Talk to Q radio show. And now, Buck, do you think that the news stations should discourage people from um, filming? Because a lot of times, you know, they put the stuff on the air. They'll say, oh, Joe, the of this, and uh, – you know, they, they use the footage. Do you think that something that they should uh, not do to make sure they're not encouraging people to go out there and put their lives at risk by filming? I think in some instances, I think I think it's up to the media and up to the newscasters to um, make sure that they, you know, that not too many people are doing it. Simply because I can see, I've seen both sides of the tale where, where it's been helpful but also where it's been, you know, where it can actually take your life. Um, so I think it's important that they do have some people out there 
Um, but I think joining a weather society or and getting some sort of training in the in that field will help greatly. But I mean, some of these people are just doing it for sport, just so they can get their fifteen minutes or fifteen seconds of fame. I think it's up to the newscasters and the weather, you know, the weather broadcasters to say, "Hey, look, you know, follow the instructions that we give you. Don't go out there and be filming it because it's just not safe to do it. You can have limbs go through you. I've seen pine pine needles needle stuck in oak trees. So, <laughs> if a pine needle can get stuck in an oak oak tree and not break, that'll tell you yeah. how strong wind is." So it's just not smart to be out there doing this kind of stuff. I agree. I agree. And um, I would advise them to discourage people from doing it. So, all right. So let's let's go from weather events and to natural disasters. Uh, you know, like fires affect California annually. Could you live in an area that could possibly be affected by a wildfire? I mean, would you be okay with that? Well, I've never had to live in a place like that, at least not yet. Um, it would be a major concern because it seems like out on the West Coast, they're still going through a drought-type condition. And, you know, with those Santa Ana winds coming through there, um, I think they, there was some astronomical amount of land that was burned um, the year before last. I think they said it was over, I think they said, I think it was between twenty five and 50,000 acres of land that was burned in 2014 due to wildfires. And I don't think they were that bad this year, but last year, that that is, I mean, 2014, that was a very, very large amount of fire. And it takes several thousand firefighters on the ground and in the air to put these out. Now, I would be concerned about that because if it takes 25,000 to 50,000 acres. That is a lot of land. That's a lot of states. Um, you had Arizona, Nevada, California, Oregon, uh, Utah, all those areas, Colorado, Wyoming, uh, all those areas over there kind of got hit by that. And, you know, you don't have a whole lot of water resources out that way. That's why it took so long to deal with it. And uh, all it takes is, you know, somebody starting a car on some dry you know, dry grass or whatnot, and that's all it takes. And it burns, and it's out of control. So I would definitely be concerned about that living out that way. I mean, I kind of looked at it uh, like hurricanes almost. You know, people move to coastal cities in Florida, and knowing that there is a possibility that a hurricane could affect them. And um, I guess you look the same way with with. The fire. I mean, you really don't know if something's going to ever come through your area. It's kind of like a, you know, a lottery. But by the same token, mm-hmm. you you may take a chance because you want to live in that area. And so I do think that you take a risk. So, but let's get ready to to wrap this particular topic up, man. And um, I mean, now, if God forbid you were ever affected by any type of weather event or natural disaster. Would you rebuild or would you move? Well, being you know, being a person that has already lived through it, I didn't have to rebuild, but I did have some damage to the house. And it was damage that was easily repaired. 
Um, it really depends on the damage of your house and where you are and how much of the town is affected. There are several different things that you have to think about when it comes to natural disasters. Um, I used to work for a company, you know, I, I can tell you firsthand, and I worked for companies that, you know, clean up behind natural disasters. So um, it really depends on the area. Pensacola, the infrastructure of the town was damaged, but Pensacola as a whole, after about three or four days, we, you know, I, I would say about five days, the airport was back open, train service was back open, we got the bridges, you know, passable to get into Pensacola at that point. So five days doesn't sound, it may sound like a long time, but five days trying to get everything organized to where we can get it to where you can get food, water, and those type of things in, I don't think that was a very long time. Um, But that also depends on your preparedness. Um, But if you have, if I had some significant damage and I had a lot of things wiped out, then I would probably move um, simply because, there were so many houses that were damaged. There wasn't a whole lot of places to move to. Uh, the apartments were full because of the, they got full real fast because so many people lost homes or they had to stay out of their home for a certain period of time until they could have the houses rebuilt, uh, depending on what type of damage they had. So if it was completely wiped out, and since I don't have any family here, I'd probably, you know, I'd move in a heartbeat. I'd just take what, take what little bit of stuff I had left Get in the moving truck and haul ass because um, it's, it's really not worth, you know, depending on what kind of insurance you have in your home or something like that. Again, for me, I mean, depending on who you, you know, what you have or whatnot, insurance companies were really dicking people around. Um, one guy down the street from me had two houses, one on the beach, one on Simpleton, where I used to live. Well, he had to say an insurance carrier. The insurance carrier came to him since he had less damage on the house that he lived in normally. They said, you pick which house you want us to cover. We're only going to cover one of them. This house on the beach, the beach house got destroyed and it got wiped away. So he had to pick his beach house that he could get. Uh, I think he got like, it took him four or five years until the insurance paid off on it. But his beach house was worth $587,000. His house in Pimpton only uh, cost one hundred forty-seven thousand. So he took that five hundred eighty-seven thousand and ha- had to fix his house with because the insurance company wasn't going to cover the one over there. Now that's not right because you pay for insurance, you expect them to cover it. But after they paid that five hundred eighty-seven thousand on the beach house, they dropped him. So you got to. Yeah, I know who you're dealing with. I would have two policies. I had two different houses, and I'd have them doing different insurance carriers. And those are things that you have to deal with when you live in, in areas that have natural disasters. And you have to make sure insurance is another thing you got to know. Certain insurance don't cover certain things. Um, if you've got water, fire, and there's one other, um, I can't remember what the other one was. There's three types of insurance you got to have, but you also have to have wind damage. And yet, if you don't have wind damage, if your roof gets taken off, they don't have to cover the other damage you get from water or fire or, or flood damage, floods the other. So if you don't have wind damage, then it don't cover the rest of the other insurance is null and void. So you got to have, you got to know what your policy says. It's very you important. You really do. 
and that's and that would be evident also in a fire type situation um, or, or tornado type situation. If your house, your roof gets taken off and it rains inside your house, even though you don't live in a, if you live in a flood area, your house gets flooded by rain, then the insurance carrier can say, hey, we can't cover it because you don't have flood damage. You don't have flood insurance. So it's very important to know what kind of insurance you have in your house. If you live in a floodplain area, then you have flood insurance. If you live in an area that has hurricanes or high winds, even if you live 200 miles in, um, if a tornado comes through, that's wind damage. If you don't have wind damage insurance, even though you don't live in an area like I live in Pensacola, where you, you know, if you have to have wind damage insurance up to 165 miles an hour, you may have to have 110 miles an hour in Jackson. And if you don't have that, then if you get any other damage, it might wipe out your other insurance. Just FYI. Yeah, it's it's a lot people need to pay attention to for sure. And we go to the 248 area code. Experts of Detroit, the Motor City, to welcome the author of Street Corners, show host is a show legend, Crystal. What's up, Chris? What's up, Q? How are you? I'm doing well. Um, Happy New Year. And yeah, so thank you. Uh, we're wrapping up the topic, and I want to ask you about um, relief funds that we have set up for disasters. You know, just like with mm-hmm. Haiti and other countries, as well as our own country, there's always a bunch of people that set up these little donations where you can help um, rebuild whatever said city that had this disaster. Uh, how comfortable are you? with donating to these things? Do you trust them? Do you think they need to be more transparent as far as how much of the money goes to the actual um, people who need to benefit from it? How do you feel about it? Oh, it's Most of it's just a bunch of crap. I mean, um, you're benefiting the people who are actually putting it out there, and most of the money is going to them. Uh, I mean, if you want to do something for a disaster or whatever, the best thing to do is to get up and to go to somewhere like Red Cross or somewhere and actually do something. Uh-huh. You know, be the person who is helping putting the packages onto, you know, the truck. Um, get be a part of the groups who are actually going over to the place of the disaster and helping out. Um, or if all you can do is give uh, money or want to do it, then I would say give to the to the bigger national, um, you know, uh, donations that are already out there right now, as opposed to you know the fly by night because a lot of those are just the people themselves setting something up and a lot of it the money is just going to them they're not going to they only have to give a certain percentage. Right. You know, to say that it's a actual, you know, charity or whatever. I mean, yeah, most of it's going to the pe- person that who set it up in the first place. So it's it's crap. I agree. I agree. And Buck, another thing people need to be concerned about are contractors who show up um, 
who offer to make repairs, but they may not necessarily be real contractors. They show up, they tell you you got to pay half your money up front to repair something on your roof, and they either do a half job or they take your money and not come back. I mean, how do you protect yourself against those type of people? You deal with um, a lot of times when you have natural disasters, you have people coming in from out of state, and this is a very big problem. Um, um, Florida has done uh, a fairly decent job in recent years to make sure this doesn't happen. If you don't have the necessary uh, contractor's license or general contractor's license or whatnot, and you do a job and the job's not done right, then you're liable, and not the person that owns the house. The person, well, the person that owns the house is liable as well, but the contractor that does the work is also liable. So um, they, it's, they've done a really good job for that, and they really you got to pay some serious uh, money if you're a general contractor if you make a mistake like that. Um, there, there's very few loopholes you can jump through to try to dodge having some sort of license to do, do work here in the, in the state of Florida. So it's very important that you check, you know, you see somebody drive, the road, drive out of the road so they can do your roof, don't don't pick those people. Make sure you deal with people. Look on Angie's List, those type of places. Um, deal with your local people first before you go outside uh, your area. Make sure you know reputable people. Rep, there should be some sort of kit that you make, names, contacts, people that you know. Everybody knows some sort of contractor. So you deal with people that you know first before you go with, I mean, you may have a surf pro in Pensacola or Jackson, but don't deal with one surf pro from Manitonka, you know, Minnesota, because they don't have a license here. They're just coming down to help the people that's from here. So you only deal with your licensed local contractors during major disasters. Okay. Crystal, what do you think? How can people protect themselves from uh, fake contractors when they roll up saying they'll do do repairs on your home after a storm. Um, Well, I think, you know, Buck said it all in that. I haven't had any experience in that, so I can't really speak to that kind of a thing. Okay, okay. I um, definitely agree with you, Buck. I think you have to be cautious. Um... As far as you definitely don't want to, you know, solicit the services of someone who's just going door to door saying, hey, I do this. There's one thing somebody says, hey, I'll, you know, cut down the, cut the wood that from the fallen trees in your yard where you can actually see them do the work and then pay them for it. But there's another thing when someone says they need supplies and they want you to pay for the supplies and you got to expect them to come back. Either you go get the supplies yourself or, you know, it's always best to have a contract. I mean, a lot of people don't do contracts now, but it's always best to have a contract, to have something on paper where you can at least feel comfortable about giving someone your money. So, all right, going to take a quick break. Shouts out to Should Be Fishing in the chat room. And we'll be right back with some more Talk to Q Radio show. Hi, this is Aaron Anderson of the Marriage and Family Clinic at RelationshipRx.net.
mention a website where you can go and check out some short stories. The website is 123455shortstories.blogspot.com. Visit and you'll get exactly what the title implies, Short Stories by David Simmons. Now, his blog has quite a few interesting short stories that will take you away from the hustle of the day and engage your mind. One, two, three, four, five, five short stories dot blogspot dot com. Visit the site, check out the stories, and leave comments. And my thanks to David Simmons for being a sponsor of tonight's Talk to Q radio show. Okay, I have a um an audio clip to play, and it's about a situation that's going on here. Unfortunately, it's made national news. Um but it's something that's that happened here locally. And just to give you a quick a quick overview of it, um there is there was a car chase that they had um where someone chased a shoplifter, uh one of the sheriffs and his deputies from another county, chased the shoplifter into the county of Hines County, which is um basically downtown Jackson, Mississippi. And so the city councilman who was over that particular ward was very upset that they chased someone for shoplifting in a dangerous car chase through neighborhoods. This was like, um, I want to say it's Christmas Day or the day before Christmas. And so he said that on the news that the people should throw things at the cops when they come through town chasing people in their neighborhood, and it just started a big storm, um, and the media's been having so much fun with it. But I want you to take a listen, and then we'll discuss it. Rape is a factor in the blatant disregard for the public safety of innocent children and elderly citizens in unlawful chases by outside jurisdictions. This is how today's news conference started. Job says all of his comments are protected by his First Amendment rights. And this is how it ended. First thing I say to the sheriff of Rankin County is that he a dumb bastard. I guess I could you know, stay down his level and have a response like this, say, your mama, or something like that back to him, but I'm not. Uh, you know, my job, the, the citizens of Rankin County elected me to keep, keep them safe. And, and that's what we're going to continue to do here.
you know, I challenge him to cross this river, and I'll drive my own car over here and let him throw a rock at me. I'll have him picking up trash on the side of the road for the next few years. Ken Stoker, everything that's wrong with Kitty Jackson White going down here. All right, I apologize for the, the poor quality. I was not able to get a good quality uh, clip of this. This is uh, from WJTV, um, the local news station here. So essentially the councilman is saying that um, if they chase, if any other outside police um, force chases people into your neighborhood and they're driving at a high rate of speed, then you should throw rocks and bottles at them to retaliate to get them to uh, not do that. And it just caused a big mess here, and it's been running ad nauseum on the news for the last few days. And, Crystal, I'll start with you, first of all. This situation, um, the cops were chasing a guy that had shoplifted, and it turned into a high-speed chase. Do you think that's ever a good idea, or should they reserve high-speed chases for more serious offenses? Um, well, first of all, when you have, um, you know, someone who is, uh, they're being chased or whatever, you be, you're, you're no longer, it's not no longer about the original crime, it's about the fact that now you are, um, you are, you are not, you know, giving yourself over to the police, so, and that right there is a new crime that you, you're committing, so, uh, you know, to chase someone through the streets of wherever you're chasing them, um, that's what you have to do in order to, you know, to, to apprehend them. You know, he, you know, he's not, he's not giving himself over to the law. I mean, so now it's now it's a high speed chase, which is a completely different crime. Uh, so, as far as this guy is councilman talking about that the police shouldn't have chased this person through the streets of, you know, whatever town. I mean, so what? The the point is we're getting, we're apprehending this criminal, you know? I mean, that's why we have sirens, you know, get the fuck out of the way. That's the whole point. And, I mean, I mean no one was hurt during, it's not like he ran over some little kid in the street or whatever, and even then it's like, well, you're supposed to be out of the way. That's why we have sirens, okay? So you can, you know, you hear sirens coming from almost a mile away or more, so get out of the way. So I don't understand what he's so upset about. I don't, I don't get, I don't get it. I don't get what he's, what he's upset about. Okay, and Buck, how do you feel, man? Man, living in, growing up in Ridgeland, there's a reason why there's not that much crime in Ridgeland. Madison County and Rankin County because these guys are doing their damn job. If he get his head, if uh, Councilman Stokes would get his head out of his ass and actually be, you know, do his job by making the Hines County Police Department do their job, which I know some of the Hines County uh, police officers are doing their job, but if you're trying to apprehend a suspect and they're running from the police, then it doesn't matter whether they're crossing the jurisdiction or not. It's like Crystal said, they got sirens on there, and you're supposed to get out of the way. So they're doing their job. Hines County has more crime than any of the towns combined around them. 
So if he wants to worry about, if counselor stuff needs to worry about something, he needs to worry about his, uh, his hinds counting and how to get the crime rate down by, you know, doing doing his job and making sure that his, his police department is also, you know, the Hines County Police Department is doing their job, the Sheriff's Department, so they can get the crime down so that, that way Jackson can be a better place to stay. Telling, telling the, the, you know, the people of Hines County to throw bricks and all this kind of stuff, is, it is absolutely retarded. It is the dumbest thing that I've, I've heard in a long time. Just by him speaking, it set Jackson back 30 years. And if anything, he needs to be he needs to resign, step down, whatever. This the city council of Jackson has been a joke for many years. It was a joke back in '98 when I left there, and for him to stand up and tell the citizens of Hines County to throw something in a cop car, man, that is the dumbest thing ever. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard a city councilman or anybody in any kind of power say to citizens of a, of a particular county or town. It, it's it's a disgrace for this guy. It's a disgrace for him to even be black and say some stupid shit like this, especially with the with the police officers having already a tough enough job and already having having enough scrutiny. And now you, you now you open you basically telling the citizens of Hines County that it's open season on police officers that come from another from another part of town. It's just, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. So yeah, I hope he. I hope he, they force him out. And in fact, they need to just get rid of all the councilmen in Hines County, so that way maybe they can, you know, they can get some things done. Because there's a lot. That's that just shows me that there's a, there's a lot of issues that need to be. Uh, and for the other council members to let him get on TV and say stupid stuff like this, even though I know that may not be something they can control, but evidently he said stupid shit before, but. That's just, it's, it's so sad, man. It's absolutely sad to see some shit like this. And I it, mean, it's become national news. It's it's not the first crazy thing he said. Uh, he, I think it was another councilman he got in an argument with, and his reaction, and this is on local news, was uh, his response to the councilman was, yo mama, which was hilarious. That's what the uh, sheriff was referencing in the audio I played. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it's nothing new for him. But let me play devil's advocate for a minute, Crystal. So, um, now I do understand what the sheriff in the audio was saying about once you start chasing them, it becomes a felon, you know, felony fleeing or whatever. Um, however, I mean, no one got killed this time. There was a situation um, last year or maybe the year before. I don't recall that, but there have been incidents where. Uh, you know, people have been killed from either the, the person um, losing control of the vehicle or the cop losing control of the vehicle. Because even though the cops have sirens, the person they're chasing doesn't. So a lot of times that person is going to go through the area before the cops even make it to the area. So um, you don't always have a warning and people have been killed. So you don't think that it should be a more serious crime worth chasing because someone's shoplifting. I don't know if that's a big deal or not, but if someone's like kidnapping or murder or Amber Alert or something, don't you think it should be reserved for those? No, because you don't know what this, just because you, you pull over somebody 
who um, or you, you're after them because they shoplifted. That doesn't mean that's the only thing that they've done because that could just been the last thing that they did. They shoplifted. Now, the fact that they are running kind of means that maybe they did a little bit more than just that. You know, people, you know, got caught or something, a lot of times they'll stop and they will, you know, put their hands up or whatever or they'll maybe even they'll run for a minute but they'll stop eventually. But someone who literally has a lot more to lose, um, then they will keep running because they know damn well when they get caught, they're going away. So and you have to look at it that way. So just because I'm, you know, you may be pulling somebody over or you may be stopping them just or going after them for something minor, that doesn't mean that that's the only thing that they've done. So, you, you know, that's the way, you know, the cops have to look at it. And especially that's why becoming, when you start running and, you know, then you, see, every, when you have a chase, and let's say this person does kill somebody on their chase without the siren or whatever the hell, that's, they're responsible for every single life that they take on that route because it is it is because of them running that why the police is chasing them in the first place. So they are responsible for every life. So it's not it's not the cops, it's them. So, I mean, no, so it doesn't matter. I don't care what they can, you know, stop them for. It don't matter. I mean, why are you I, acting a fool? It don't matter. I, I kind of get what you're saying, but I don't think the family would care either way. Buck, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with Chris on this because, I mean, typically when you're running from the cops, that means you've probably got a warrant out for your arrest um, or whatever, whatever the case may be. You're not, I mean, yeah, he may have been shoplifting, but we don't know the underlying issue. And that's what Councilman Stokes doesn't know either. You know, he's so worried about, you know, somebody, you know, the cops are doing their job. So if you're running from the cops, that means you've got something else on you. So you may be, you may have a warrant out for your arrest, you may mm-hmm. have a felony, or you may have a gun and you ain't supposed to have one and you got a felony. There's, a, there's, a, uh, there's a countless things that the person that's running may have and, you know, they run it from the cops. So that's what, he has to, that's what you have to look at. So with those things being said, you know, you know, if you don't run, then typically nothing happens. Well, if you're running or you belligerent to the law enforcement in any sort of way, that means you probably got something, you know, something else that's on you, and that's the reason why he was running in the first place. So, um, I have to, like I said, I agree with Crystal on this, and uh, you know, that's that's some of the issues that Councilman Stokes need to. I mean, I don't even know how you can be, with saying some of the things that I've heard. Him oh, say, his constituents love him. You should see some well, of the support that he gets because all of, they're older people, um, older. Real, well, I mean, let's say what it is. They're older black people who like the fact that he's defiant to white people. Well, I mean, there comes a time and place that, you know, his kind of tactics are sending the wrong type of message. And my thing is, is that, you know, in order for Jackson to move forward, then we don't need people like Councilman Stokes in there. You need somebody that's, that's level-headed, that's smart, that can change with the times. I mean, Jackson ain't one of these backwoods places anymore. Um, but the the bad part about it is is that with that kind of mentality, then you get you know it's holding Jackson back, and it's not going to become the city that it really needs to be 
being centralized the way it is, you know, in between Atlanta, Dallas, you know, Pensacola, um, Memphis, and those areas, and it can be a nice multiplex and plethora of, you know, a good area um, with people like Councilman Stokes being the, being yeah. in that position. So I guess I look at this two ways, and I'm not by, by no means am I saying what you all are saying is wrong. I, I get exactly what you're saying. Um, I look at it two ways. First of all, from the police perspective, I have no idea why in 2016, as a cop, you really have to chase anyone like through different cities anyway. What's the point of having all of this technology and these communication systems? to where you can have someone waiting somewhere, setting up a roadblock, throwing out spikes, or whatever you need to do. Now, they do that in, like, maybe L.A. or something. But, I mean, in any city, it seems like it should be easy to coordinate some type of plan to stop a chase before it gets stupid, you know. So I don't know why. That's the only thing I hold the cops um, accountable for. As far as any casualties, I mean... Sometimes things feel different. Uh, it may be the same result, but how it happens can make it feel different. If a guy runs from the cop and he plows through a schoolyard, you know, God forbid, and kills kids, the parents are going to be at a loss either way, okay, first of all. But the thing is, they're going to be a lot of people who say, well, it was all because they were trying to chase some murderer, it's going to feel different than someone who stole a purse, you know. So, again, it's still a loss. You still have to deal with that. But it does feel different. Just like, you know, it feels different when someone has a car accident and loses their life as opposed to a drunk driver hitting them and losing their life. There's a certain anger that goes with someone taking a life as opposed to it happening another way. It's like a severity type of thing. So I think it feels differently to the families, and those are the ones who probably will say the chases shouldn't happen. As a matter of fact, um, Councilman Stokes um, lost a relative, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, to a cop chase about 11 or 12 years ago. So it's probably personal for him. So I kind of get that. I understand it from that perspective. Um, but the cops are supposed to catch criminals. That's what they're supposed to do. And the only thing I think they should do is have a better job of coordinating with other cops to, you know, stop this stuff before it gets really crazy. Because if you're chasing someone through two or three cities, that means you're not talking to any other cops. You're just running behind someone, and you're putting everyone in danger in each city because you refuse or to communicate with the next cop. And I think that's stupid because the bottom line is you want to stop the person, apprehend them before anybody gets hurt, and you shouldn't worry about who gets the credit. So that's where I fought law enforcement, because I don't think they do enough of that, at least not um, not in, in, in cities like Jackson, where I know they have the technology to do it. They just refuse to do that, except for maybe one or two counties. I know um, Madison County and Rankin County communicate pretty well, and um, I've seen incidents where someone leaves Madison County in a chase, and they get stopped in Rankin County by, you know, Rankin Sheriff Department or whatever, and so they kind of work together. But Hines County is kind of doing their own thing, and they got to tighten up on that. They need to be working with these other law enforcement um, officers rather than trying to fight them. So, all right, 
so before I get ready to wrap things up, tomorrow we have zone coverage. Um, that's going to be tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern on the Talk to Two Radio Show. And we'll talk NFL playoffs. We'll talk NCAA playoffs. And anything else that may be sports-related that comes to mind, that's tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern zone coverage. Uh, also, I want to ask you all tonight and your final thoughts. We can try to discuss this militia thing that's going on in Oregon. And uh, I haven't had the chance to really watch the news like I want to on that, but um, I, I want you all to give your two cents on that. Next Tuesday, we'll be back with um, some more different topics. And next Tuesday, uh, there will be a relationship topic. I haven't nailed down exactly what I want to discuss. So that will be on next Tuesday. Look forward to that. Go to TalkToQ.com to get more information. So uh, final thoughts. Well, you know what? Let me let me scratch down final thoughts for a second. Let's talk about this militia thing. And um, as you know, there have been a group of people, and they're not a stranger to, uh, I guess, this type of deal before, because I think they did this at some point um, a couple of years ago. There are a couple of armed men. I think they are, uh, what are they, the last name, Bundy? Um, so are you familiar with it? or I can't remember the guys' names who are organizing this. Man. I can't remember the names either, um, but I think they have done this once before, um, maybe three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, it all got guys... started. It's a demonstration in support of two local ranchers, um, Dwight Hammond Jr. and his son, Stephen, who were sentenced for uh, actually more prison time uh, for setting fires in 2001 and 2006, and the fires spread onto federal land. So they went back to prison on Monday to com- complete a five-year sentence for arson. Now, the activists said that, you know, they didn't think they should go back to jail, and they felt like they were exercising their right burning land, even though it was, you know, public property, but, I mean, it's protected by federal laws. And so they posted up at a location, uh, which is federal property, with guns and everything, and they're kind of just camping out in support of these guys that went back to jail on Monday. And so now you have these armed guys that are, like, sitting around, and they have pretty much control of a group, of an area, and the FBI is there, local police is there, Yet, everyone wants this peaceful ending. You know, there haven't been any shots fired or anything like that. And so, Crystal, I mean, of course, everyone wants to compare this to every other incident where the cops are quick to shoot um, unarmed black people and things of that nature. I don't know if it's quite the same, but how do you look at all this? Well, first of all, the family name is Bundy. And um, this started when these ranchers, this family, has um, been on this particular area of land um, apparently for hundreds of years. And going back, their particular family, when the um, uh, federal government came in and named the, I think it was turtles or something like that, as an endangered species, so they sealed off that land um, to not be... um, Damaged. In other words, 
that so that took away a lot of that land from different families in that area, not just them, but other families in the area from farming on that particular land and having ranches and et cetera. So a lot of those families said, okay, fine, took their money that, you know, the federal government gave them, and they left. This particular family decided they weren't going to leave, so they said, we're going to stay here. And so they started fighting against the federal government and this land, and they set fires. They said that they set fires to their own area, and then it just, you know, accidentally spread onto this particular land, which was bullshit. You know, it was total bullshit. They set fire to this land because they were completely, you know, angry and pissed off because they didn't have the use of this land anymore, so their crops were failing. But, you know, they could have left, but they didn't. But whatever. So uh, because of this fire, the father and uh, one of his sons were imprisoned because of that. And so this, you know, fast forward to today, it continues. Okay, they're still fighting and pissed off, so this Hammond person is just another son. So um, so he is, you know, so now he's saying that he took possession of this federal building and um, have decided, you know, that they're not going to let anybody on the land. And, you know, just basically they just want their land back. That's what they want. They want the government to go away, and, you know, this this is basically a terrorist act. <laughs> and so... And how should it end? Well, you know, I end. I don't think it can end peacefully unless they just give up, which it doesn't sound like they're going yeah. to do. But this is just about the fact that here are some people who cannot get with the ta- with the times. Yeah, your family has been on this forever, but guess what? This is the situation now. You were given money. You you know to move. They were actually given money to to you know to start anew. They took money, took the loans and whatever, and they tried you know. But I, I guess it didn't work out. It didn't work out as good as they wanted. They didn't get everything that they want. So now they're you know they're continually fighting the government. So the government is the fault of all of their problems. So basically, this huh. is why they're doing this. They're fucking terrorists. They sound like Native Americans. <laughs> <laughs> kind of well, they'll never admit land. that. No, well, they never admit that because they're you know right. they're white American fucking um, ranchers with you know fucking cowboy hats. So of course they not you know this is their land. Right. <laughs> so whatever. Right. They're not too sorry for them at all. I mean, but so Buck. I mean, like I said, no shots have been fired. At one point, you know, you had like a hundred people. Saturday night, and um, at least 15 men had blocked the entry to the refuge and declared themselves as the rightful owners. Um, I, I mean, why is it that it appears that, you know, things, people like this, like I said, it's not the first time. People are patient with them, and they're out there brandishing weapons. They've even hinted that they have snipers. <laughs> um, out there. Even though I don't know if you're going to have snipers out in 15-degree weather, but at one point they tended to have snipers out there, yet it's met with peace um, as opposed to other incidents where they just shoot or crack heads. Well, I mean, I think it's very interesting, and I think it's something that we all need to pay attention to. Um, 
this is a is a prime example of you know who had who has power who doesn't. Um, I find it very amazing that those guys have not been shot at. If these guys have been black, they'd have been dead and gone by now. And I hate to even say it, but it's they've true. been Muslim definitely. Yeah, so we're not even gonna go there. But um, bottom line of it is, is that this should have already been taken care of. But you know, these guys, you know, this may go on for weeks or months because these guys are up here in front of this place like that. So I just find it very interesting that they have not done anything. You know, why why hasn't SWAT been called in? Why hasn't the National Guard been called in? I mean, this is basically a terrorist act, and they're not treating it as such. So somebody needs to get on the horn or something somewhere and get these guys up out of here. Because, I mean, y'all don't own the land no more. It's time to bounce. And for them to come be up there with guns and all that kind of stuff, with the kind of technology and the kind of kind of you know things that we can do in this country, these guys need to be, they need to be treated just like any other terrorist. And this, you know that, that you you are threatening a federal piece of land. So at this point, all bets are off. Call the national guard, you know, call you know whoever you got to call to get these guys up out of here. Because if not, then to me, it's open season. That means any other person can get out there, a uh, white person possibly, to get out there and have a gun and just stand up front of their property and protect it, even if it ain't theirs. So you're sending the wrong message by letting these guys be out there. If you're going to treat one one way, the other one needs to be treated. It has to be equal. And right now it ain't equal, and this is a prime example of that. It's definitely not equal, and I, I believe, I mean, if they were black, I don't honestly know what the reaction was going to be. I don't think it would be as favorable. That's just my personal opinion. However, if they were Muslim, I think this would have been over probably within a few hours after it started. <laughs> uh, you know, something would have happened, more than likely, because there, that would have heightened everyone's um, fear. You know, just the fact mm-hmm. that you mentioned someone Muslim has a weapon I mean, that's going to heighten everyone's fear. I mean, you have open carry laws in a lot of states, but if you're Muslim and you walk around with a gun, man, folks are going to watch you a lot differently. I'm just letting you know. All right. It's not right, but it's reality. And I mean, and it's the same with, with black people. You know, a lot of times you're going to get the same treatment. If you don't look like, you know, some federal agent or something dressed in a suit, if you're just a blue jean t-shirt guy with a gun on your on your hip, they're gonna watch you. Alright, yep. that's just how it, that's just how it goes. And I think that uh it's unfortunate that you have uh these types of comparisons and people treat things differently, treat people differently. And um but it is the world that we live in and it's something that we should all be mindful mindful of. Um, Just because it doesn't make it right doesn't mean that we shouldn't understand that, hey, this is what people think. And uh, this thing will probably end peacefully. At least I hope it does. I mean, I don't want anyone necessarily to get killed. But by the same token, um, if these guys aren't doing anything wrong, if what they're doing is legal, then why is the FBI there? You know, why are the police there at all? You know, so obviously something is being done wrong. 
and they need to take care of it. They need to make sure these guys go to jail for whatever it is that they may be violating. All right, because just because someone says, I know my constitutional rights, doesn't necessarily mean that they do. So, all right, go ahead and get final thoughts on tonight's show. Talked about weather events, talked about cop chases and ignorant councilmen and um, this militia in Oregon. And, Buck, I'll start with you. Let's start with weather events um, and a natural disaster. Um, in any kind of event, any kind of natural disaster, you have to really kind of take a take a look at your your area that you live in. If you live in up in on the east coast or up north around Wisconsin, Detroit area, you know snowstorms. And a lot of people may not consider that a natural disaster, but it can be, especially with the weather the way it is these days. So there needs to be some sort of preparedness. If you're up north, you need to have maybe a backup generator so that way when your power go out, um, your power comes back on. Um, you know, need to have some sort of preparedness kit, a certain amount of food, water, those type of things. If you live down here um, where I live, like in Pensacola, uh, on the Florida, in the Panhandle, or living in Mississippi Gulf Coast, Louisiana, Texas, those areas, um, same thing. You need to have a preparedness kit. You need to have at least three to five days of water uh, for every person that you have in your household, uh, generator, uh, gas cans for gas, um, uh, first aid kits, same thing for up north. Um, out west, you need to have, you know, preparedness kits for mudslides, um, fires. And I think we all, everybody in the whole United States needs something for tornadoes. So there are certain things that you have to have for weather events and national uh, natural disasters because they're, they're happening more frequently now, um, more than ever. Uh, camp stoves, propane, any of those kind of things. Just have your small area in your house or maybe a shed or something. I wouldn't put it in the shed. I'd put it in your house. But put it somewhere where you can up high if you're in a flood-prone area so that way that, that doesn't get wet. Make sure you have enough food, water, and there's a lot of companies out there like Wise. I think it was Wiseman. I think it's a company that provides food that's good for 20 years that you can put up for natural disasters. Um, I think it's something that we all need to think about uh, because I think these are coming more frequent. Also, uh, you know, kind of know your area and know what kind of changes that your water have. For me, I take I, I kind of look at the uh, temperature of the Gulf. The more cold weather we have during the winter months and bring that Gulf temperature down around 55 to 50 degrees, it takes longer for the Gulf because the Gulf is actually almost enclosed. With Florida on one side, Texas on the other, and Mexico, it's almost completely closed except where you got Cuba right there. So with that being said, if that body of water gets colder, then if it's up to around 75, 80 degrees by May, depending on the, where the jet stream is, we may not get any storms. That's why temperature of water is important to people that live in the panhandle versus maybe up north where it really doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean anything. So those are things that you kind of got to look at. Know your area. Um, kind of look at water temps, uh, jet stream, information. All that's important, and that's going to determine whether you have a natural disaster hit your area or not. So it's just really kind of smart to kind of keep an eye on the weather because that's something that we all going to have to really take a look at and keep an eye on in for the years to come. For our Jackson in that city council, <laughs> Whew. man, I, I just 
I just can't believe some of the stuff that comes out, some of those guys' mouths. And, and he's so he got to step down, man, or he got to be pushed out or something because it's just not right to say the things that he says, and it's continuously getting worse, and it's setting back Hines County in a big way. Um, so as far as the militia goes, we see hopefully or end peacefully, but if anybody got any smarts, they need to go ahead and get these guys up out of here. So National Guard needs to be called in. The FBI and the police department don't need to just sit around there and let these guys just be there peacefully. They need to go ahead and get these guys out of there and uh, handle, handle the business. Because if not, you're sending a bad message, but you're sending a very true message of, you know, who has the power. So if you don't treat one set of people one way, you need to treat everybody that same way. If not, then you're further dividing this country. And that's something that we really don't need to be doing right now. So I hope everybody has a good new year, a safe one. We're looking for a strong year this year. And everybody have a great evening. Thank you, sir. And Crystal? Okay. Well, um, uh, good show. Uh, natural disasters, I missed uh, a few, a little bit of the beginning, but uh, I have to just um, agree with Buck on everything that he said. I haven't really experienced uh, a lot of, uh, again, natural disasters. I left the South because I hate tornadoes. can't stand that shit. And so um, I was very happy to get away from there. Because of that, one of the many reasons I left the South. But um, and here, yeah, I mean, snow can definitely be a natural disaster. We have some areas. I'm not in the Detroit area. We're not close to. We're surrounded by little lakes, but we're not close to the main lakes, which is you know close to um, uh, you know Port Huron. I mean Huron uh, Lake and uh, the Great Lakes on the coast. There, you know, uh, they get a lot of the major snow. You know, that lake effect snow is a bitch. <laughs> you know, you mm-hmm. thing in the next minute, you know, it's like, you know, eight feet of snow. So that's no joke. But um, as far as the councilman, you know, I expressed myself on that. I just think this guy, councilman, you know, I, I mean, you should pay attention definitely to councilmen, the people mm-hmm. on the council, because they move up into different positions, but I don't give much, um, when they do something stupid, I'm like, well, so what? He's a councilman. Because they're like elected citizens to me. I mean, they don't really mean much to me. Um, And so for him to say the things that he said was not surprising. It's just typical of, you know, the people who end up on on those councils because they're picked by their friends. And And they're picked and they're kept on by you know, catering, you know, to, you know, the little people in the little community. I mean, it's like, whatever. Um, So, yeah, it was stupid, and unfortunately it was picked up by, you know, larger places that looked into it. I never heard of it until tonight, but, you know, it's like, whatever. You know, he's a councilman, so what do you expect? But, um, and, you know, uh, regarding the police, I'm usually not on the side of the police, but for something like that, come on. I mean, yeah, he's doing his job. And then when you said that he was, you know, he had had a personal experience, I was like, okay, well, then there you go. Okay, right. He's letting his personal experience, you know, feed into what's supposed to be 
part of his professional uh, career or, you know, half a career because they're not really, that's not their only job. But, you know, so anyway. Um, The thing about what's going on in Oregon, uh, you know, again, I have to agree with Buck. You know, the thing is, they looked at differently. Sorry, it's because they're white and they're American. That's why they looked at differently. If they were from Russia, you know, or or part of the USSR, or well, which doesn't really exist anymore, but the Soviet Union in those areas, you know, like the guys in Boston, I mean, they would be looked upon differently. Um, but because they're white Americans um, in the heartland, you know, wearing cowboy hats, owning a ranch, you know, these are like the core people, I guess, of what America stands for. So, and they always want they always want to bring in the Constitution. You know, the Constitution was written, you know, hundreds of years ago, and it, it doesn't really pertain to what's happening today. But they always want to glob on to the Constitution because they know that that was something. Because they're you know they're holding on to something that doesn't even exist anymore. You know, so they don't want any changes in the Constitution. That's these people really hold on to that. So. And the fact that they are either helped or part of the militia, the militia is just an American terrorist group. That's all they are. And, you know, of course you can't use terrorists because that only means people from other countries and uh, specifically, you know, the um, Arabian countries or whatever. You know, th- those you know, these are the only people, you know, the Middle Easterns or whatever, these are the only people who can possibly be terrorists, you know. So I just think it's ridiculous. And what's going to happen to them? You know, yeah, probably nothing, you know, unless they do something stupid and then it, you know, causes an immediate reaction from the police. But just like the um, one of the cops uh, that I saw today, uh, I think it was the sheriff's department or whatever, you know, he was like, at first, this was just, between, you know, a land situation uh, dispute. But mm-hmm. as soon as they decided they were going to take over and bear guns and take over a federal building, then it, be, you know, we don't support you anymore. <laughs> we don't. We're not trying to help you anymore because now you've taken it to another level, and that's the whole thing. You've taken it to another level, and why do you think that the people? That you know he keeps, you know the guy Hammond or whatever keeps spewing the fact that oh well I'm doing this not just for us but for the people of this town this good town he's like you know you're not doing it for these people in the town you you know you're doing it for yourself so yeah. I you know I think that it's just the overall look that when you know we talk about why aren't there SWAT teams in well because you don't bring SWAT in on your family. On, on your people, you know. So that's really the whole deal. And that's why it's, it's going on like it is now, continuously, because of that. America! Okay. <laughs> 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 Thank you very much, Chris. I agree with you on that. Um, yeah, it's just, like you say, you know, I'm bringing in on your family. You're bringing in on the people who don't look like you. That's how it rolls. All right. Well, um, first of all, I let's see. Before, 
I do have uh, something that I have in store for the listeners at the end of the show, but I do want to thank uh, my callers for calling in to the show. I want to thank one two three four five five shortstories.blogspot.com. I want to thank $1cookie.com. And I want to also thank Marcus Brooks, who you'll hear from in just a moment. And um, like I say, get to the calendar at talktoq.com, and you can see what's coming up in the future, where we're doing current events, relationships, uh, celebrity news, sex talks, all that stuff is going to be on Tuesdays going forward, and zone coverage will be exclusively on Wednesdays. So if you're into sports, join us on Wednesdays. You want to talk about other things um, that affect our everyday lives, then talk to us on Tuesday. So, like I said, you can always get more information at TalkToQ.com. Right now, I do want to play something by an artist by the name of Marcus Brooks, a.k.a. AMB. Now, Marcus was born in Memphis but raised in Orange Park, Florida. And he's followed the music careers of hip-hop artists like Rakim, EPMD, KRS-One, Run DMC, LL Cool J. And um, the title of his album is Self Mastery, brought to you by Counter-Strike Records. So you can go to MarcusBrooksMusic.rocks to learn more. And I want to thank him for being a sponsor of the show. And here's his song uh, that you can check out from Marcus Brooks. And I'll, I'll let him intro it and set it up for you. Hey, this is Marcus Brooks, and I want to introduce you to one of my songs that I wrote off my latest album, Self Mastery, called Searching for Love. This song, Searching for Love, is really a song that I wrote based upon how I feel, how I desire to have that true partner to come into my life, that true woman to be by my side and to understand everything about me as I understand everything about her, and we walk out this thing called life. So as you listen to this song, you'll feel my heart calling out to the divine to bring that right woman for me. So hopefully when you guys listen to this song, that you'll feel my vibe, and I hope that you guys keep searching for what you're looking for and get what you want in a partner so you can have a prosperous life. And this is Marcus Brooks, and you can catch me and listen to more of my music at www.marcusbrooksmusic.rock, www. Marcus Brooks, B-R-O-K-S, music that rock. Peace. Relationships I've learned from my mistakes. I know true love never comes late, but I'm tired of waiting, waiting for my soulmate. But I would sail the seven seas to find a right woman that's for me. I would walk the desert lands to find the right woman to take my hand. Take my hand. I'm searching to be in love, love. looking for that gift that's sent from above. Just like Adam was blessed with Eve, I know there's a woman out there for me. A woman that would care for me, a woman that would share with me, a woman that would love too, just to marry me. Lord, I'm here on my knees. Where is this woman so she can complete me? I know there's a woman out there. I need to find her. My heart yearns for a woman's love. I desire my body craves for her soft touch. The intimate kissing I miss so much. 
in my mind a vision of romance and love But I question am I worthy of such love I'm tired of living this solo life As loneliness pierces my heart like a knife I would sail the seven seas To find the right woman that's for me I would walk the desert lands To find the right woman to take my hand I would swim the ocean floors In search of true love for sure I would go beyond this earth To find the right woman who respects my worth In bed I toss and turn every night Feeling lonely I grab my pillow tight As sorrow hits I hold back my tears Wish I had a woman that was here I would cuddle with her As I whisper in her ear and Tell a hundred reasons Why I love her so dear She would never question If my love is true My actions the love will always follow through If doubt of my love rises in her mind She'll see my love will pass the test of time She will always know just how I feel As I pour out my love Her love tank remains filled I'm the guardian of my woman's heart And I'll attack Anyone who tries to tear us apart will stand firm and weather any storm through situations the stronger our love transforms. I would sail the seven seas to find the right woman that's for me. I would walk the desert lands to find the right woman to take my hand. I would swim the ocean floors in search of true love for sure. I would go beyond this earth to find a right woman who respects my word. All right, my thanks to Marcus Brooks. Like I said, go to MarcusBrooksMusic.rocks to get more information on him. He's like a pop rap music artist. Um, he's blended rap, rock, electro, pop, R&B together, and a spicy soulful gumbo, so to speak. It's a new sound for a new breed of music listeners. So be sure to check him out. MarcusBrooksMusic.rocks. All right. And also, for those of you who may have missed the podcast uh, last night, be sure to go to uh, T2QRadio.com or TalkToQ.com and check out last night's podcast with Daddy Rich and Bands. And uh, you can hear some of their music on the podcast. So be sure to check it out. It will be available for you at those websites, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, anywhere you can find the Talk to Q Radio show, you can find the podcast. So my thanks to everyone. Have a good night. Peace out. Talk to you tomorrow. We'll get into some sports. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? Well, let me thank you for having me on your show. It's so awesome to be here with you and all your listeners. My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. Call it, go ahead. I was told that I was a man-eater. I never really have a lot of pity for females when it comes to relationships. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live. Now, let me bring Amanda on the line. I didn't realize she was holding there. Amanda, what's going on? Hey, Q. Hey, everybody. 
Does that make sense? I like that. I'm going to say that again one day. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, that came out. Oh, all kinds of freaky. That's not what I meant. <laughs> Follow Q, guys. Thanks. Peace out.